Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the Pixar Sciatica Podcast. When it comes to managing pain, we know that pain itself is an individualized experience where you may or may not have damage in a specific tissue. And that ends up being sent as an electrical and chemical signal that travels up your spine into your brain. And it's your brain's job to actually determine whether or not you are in pain. Does this mean that the pain that you're experiencing is 100% in your head? Are you crazy? Most likely you are not crazy, but there are techniques and ways for us to be able to help perceive and reframe the signals that we receive from our bodies, which got me looking into this concept or not in the concept, the practice of meditation. I've used meditation in my own self-practice and uh, suggested it for other people, but I think that's meditation itself it gets a bad rap amongst the medical community because it's really hard to quantify the effects of it. And luckily with the information that's out there now in the new research, there is growing, growing data on the power of meditation. And today's guest, he was kind enough to one, he was a listener of my podcast, but also number two, he was kind enough to reach out and wanted to share the word about the power of meditation. So today I have Joshua Cameron, meditation specialist, and we're going to talk all things meditation and we'll possibly most likely go through a little meditation together. So Joshua, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Hey, you know, I really appreciate you holding the space. Yeah. I was really excited to reach out to you. I, I love the work that you do. Uh, and, you know, being able to come from an, you know, a place of open-mindedness, you know, that's not so rigid, like, Hey, does it work? And if it works, lean in, right? If it doesn't work, well then maybe find something else that does. And that's a big thing that I've really liked about you is that you've talked about, you know, hey, if something's working for you, well, then try to do more of that. If so, if you're doing something that you that people tell you is healthy, but it hurts your body, maybe listen to your body and then maybe try to do something different. The best indicator that something's working is how your body reacts to it. And I think we live in a society where it's very easy to ignore the cues that our bodies are telling us, whether it be the aches and pains or the soreness that we're developing. Now, it's not necessarily that we need to have muscular soreness to understand or know that whatever activity or exercise that we're getting is useful. But all these signals, all these things that we're receiving from our body is information and we and it's our choice to actually do what we want with that information. And so I'm so glad that we're able to take a deep dive into the invisible side of things, right? Because it's not very often especially with meditation, because it's a practice as well, you might not, like, you can't hold on to it. It's not a tangible thing. It is an action. It's something that you do within your mind or, and, and you can't see it. And so it gets very, very challenging. So Joshua, if, if I may, can I ask you a little bit more about your journey with meditation and what brought you to the point where you're like, I want to share this with the world? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. You know, you talked about the invisible, right? And so often we walk around with invisible wounds, 
That can be wounds in the mind, PTSD, depression, anxiety. That can be wounds of maybe like you were talking about. Maybe somebody's experiencing fibromyalgia and they're getting some sort of signal to their brain that I'm in extreme pain, but there doesn't seem to be anything going on. Maybe they're feeling sciatica and you know there's not an actual injury to their leg or to their hips or to their lower back, but they're feeling extreme pain. And so there's something that we can't see that's that that's going on. And you know, with me, you know, I grew up in a household where you know love just wasn't present. Uh, you know, my my you know, mom was you know hiding at the bottom of a bottle. My stepdad was a you know you know rageaholic, and um, so there's a lot of violence. You know, and growing up, and so I didn't really know how to how to find safety. And if you don't really know how to find safety and your mind's full of chaos and mind's full of, well, everything that you did, you deserve and everything that you did and you deserve is your own fault. Well, then if you close your eyes and go inside, that's all you're going to hear. Right. And so that, so med- the idea of meditation certainly didn't seem safe to me. Then I joined the army at 19 and, you know, my first war zone was eight days after September 11th. And then, you know, less than a year after getting back my second war zone, you know, I'm deploying to. And while that might be a unique story of mine, what's not so unique is that the PTSD wasn't where all this, all these problems started, right? That was just compounding that hurt, scared little boy uh, inside of me. And when I decided that enough was enough, uh, and that really kind of happened when all the walls that I built around me just kind of fell over because I had what you know people call the dark night of the soul. You know, I had so much chaos going on and the walls fell, fell open. What I didn't realize is that walls are indiscriminate. And what I mean by that is that so often we erect these walls that say, you know, in, in order to protect ourselves from the pain of perceived pain that we might receive rejection, right? Uh, you know, humiliation, embarrassment, whatever that is. But a wall doesn't know what's good for you and what's bad for you. So it's going to block everything. And if we're putting up walls, we're, going to, we're actually going to trap ourselves in that space of pain and prevent anything else from coming in to help us. And so until those walls come down, we're, not, we're likely not going to be able to listen to the true signal because there's so much noise going on inside of our heads. But our heart has 40,000 neurons. And the heart is constantly sending signals to the brain, right? We call this our intuition, but we've been trained where you can't quantify intuition there, Ashley. So what good is it? Well, why don't we try it, right? And there was a YouTube short that I saw that blew my mind. And it was this old, um, this old scientist. He was out in the field with his younger scientist. said, so often people see science as a peer-reviewed paper. Hey, let's go do science. Okay, great. Where's the peer-reviewed paper? And he's like, well, what if we just come out here and we observe? And then we write down our observations and then we catalog that. Well, but there's no peer review paper off that. Well, and and the problem with that is that any sort of change for you that might be good for you is likely not going to come from the center of that knowledge base. Because the only thing a peer reviewed paper means is that everybody agreed. And while that can be useful, the downside is that if there's ever going to be any sort of advancement, you know, maybe a pill is not right for you. Maybe surgery is not right for you. Maybe going within is right for you. And if it is right for you, that advancement is going to be on the fringe, which means that not everyone's going to agree. So you're, you're, you're likely not going to find that peer-reviewed paper, which is why it's so important to be able to tune into ourselves. But with the cacophony of noise, whether it be from media, from the people in our lives, that noise can drown out that signal, which is where meditation comes in because it helps us really start to observe our thoughts 
and not feel like we are our thoughts and that allows that signal to start pumping in and anyone who's dealt with large data sets there's actually the idea that you quiet the noise to increase the signal that's amazing i i, I want to take a step back because you brought up this really interesting factoid this concept of peer-reviewed journals and in the physical therapy community actually even in the medical community itself it's a lot of talk about this concept of evidence-based practice and so evidence-based practice a lot of people think that they're going based just on the research the truth is is that the majority of the research that is out there especially from a pain man let's just go specifically for pain management unlike something like diabetes where you're able to truly measure your glucose your insulin levels you're actually able to see those chemical processes when it comes to pain because it's an individualized experience the best way that we can actually quantify it is actually through the VAS scale, which is a scale of one to ten, uh, zero to 10. But everyone's scale of zero to 10 is going to be different. I've spoken with people, awesome, tell me about your pain. And they're like, I'm a two out of 10, but it's going to be like a 10 out of 10 for most people. It's like, well, that doesn't really, that doesn't really help for your specific case. And that translates on over into the concept of applying that into research, because when we try to look at the various different research techniques. The, the best research out there when it comes to pain management is that it's just general exercise. General exercise is the most known to actually improve pain because of the physiological mechanisms that happen out of exercise. But once you get to that point, there's really not that much good quality research or definitive research saying this technique works best, this technique that works best, this technique works best. And the truth is, is that again, it goes and falls upon the fact that everyone's pain is individualized to themselves. And when you have that scenario and you have people on social media, you have the media, you have all these different sources of information, which everyone has a desire to, like, I, I, I hope everyone's goal when they're putting this information out is that they they use it to help other people and so with that being the case when something's so invisible as meditation it's another big it's another piece that's really hard to quantify and but i'm really so glad that you said that it helps filter out the noise and it's very similar to what this podcast stands for there's a lot of information we're going to be approaching our 100th episode soon which means that there's over a hundred plus hours of information and it's our jobs as pro professionals and providers to help clear that noise for our patient, uh, patients and our clients. But also it's important for patients and people who are suffering pain to understand what works best for them. And it gives you the opportunity to really advocate for yourself. So I really appreciate you sharing that um, with us. And so let's talk about meditation uh, in itself. There's a lot of different forms of meditation. I think that in itself, is a is a whole conversation of its own but if you can briefly share with us a couple uh some of the forms and the common forms of meditation that people might have heard over the years well uh you know it's a great question and meditation can really be what we say it is right it can be us closing our eyes you know concentrating on our breathing uh, some people might meditate when they're smoking uh, I wouldn't necessarily advocate for that, but you're concentrating on your breathing, you're getting your, your mind at rest. Some people might meditate when they go camping, when they're fishing, because their mind's just at ease and they're just, allow, they're just in a place of allowing the energy to flow through them. They're not worried about controlling the situation. And really probably the best way to get into a meditative state is to kind of think about this. Uh, there's a verse from the Tao Te Ching and it says that, when man is born, he's soft and supple. 
And when a plant is born, it's soft and pliable. And when a man dies, he's stiff and rigid. When a plant dies, it's dry and brittle. Therefore, those who are stiff and inflexible are disciples of death. And those who are soft and supple are disciples of life. And if we find ourselves in a place where we need to control our outer environment, that rigidity just means that we're inviting death. That's it. Doesn't mean that we're good or bad. Just means we're inviting death. We're inviting entropy. Well, what does that mean inside our bodies? Well, it means that our, our brains, right, when we feel that need to control, we, we feel that there's some sort of threat occurring that we're trying to avoid. If our brain perceives threat, well, it's perceiving danger. So what is it doing? It's creating hormone, you know, uh, um, uh, threat hormones and cascading them throughout our body. What does that do? It kicks us into fight or flight. What does that do? Well, it, it takes our, uh, the blood supply in our life support, which is our organs, and it starts pulling them away into our, into our limbs. It even pulls the blood from the frontal part of our brain into our more limbic side of our brain so we can react at a moment's notice. But instead of the tiger jumping out of the bushes, us running away, screaming, and then tiger's gone, and then we go back to being normal, well, we often live there, and that breaks down the body, and that's inviting death. But if we can find ourselves in a place where we can then allow and be soft, instead of the stiff tree in a storm that snaps and breaks, the one that bends and allows itself to bend and allows the roots of what it knows is true for itself to hold itself, to ground itself in its own truth, and to not worry about the outer world because the inner world is a reflection of, you know, is actually what's creating the outer world. And you can get that from uh, Max Planck, a, a contemporary of Einstein, said consciousness is primary. Everything is consciousness. Einstein himself said everything is energy. And so we're having an energetic battle, whether we agree to it or not, an invisible energetic battle if we are resisting versus uh, you know, if we're allowing. If we're allowing, well, then we're allowing life to flow through us, which is very meditative. If we're resisting and we're, if we're rigid, well, then we're inviting death, which is the, you know, the, the anti-meditation. You know, this episode is brought to you by the Sciatica Protocol. Experience pain relief directly through your phone, anytime, anywhere. Interested in learning more? Check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com slash the-sciatica-protocol. So it pretty much allows us to be more of like a conscious observer and being able to say, you know, this is the information that I'm getting and giving people an opportunity to, uh, I guess, one process, but not necessarily have to jump to their first reaction, which is often the fight or flight reaction. And looking at that, it's very similar to speaking of Max Planck, you know, we're going to go back even more, a couple, couple, couple more hundred years, you know, some Marcus Aurelius has talked a lot about this concept of stoicism. And it's like, we can't control the environment around us, but we can actually control our response. We can, tr can control what we can do. And I love the fact that you brought this, con uh, this, this, this principle or this concept of when we experience a threat, our bodies do various different things to protect us. We, Back before the development of technology and before we lived in our uh, cushy homes and everything, we were living out in the wilderness. We needed to have our cortisol system and our fight or flight system in order for us to actually get protection and protect ourselves from getting eaten by the lion or whatever animals that were around back then. But now that we live in this world where those physical threats are not as present, those psychological, those emotional threats, those still come about and it will elicit the same reaction, which then when, when we sense danger, 
we get ourselves ready to fight. But also, when it comes to pain, when you receive that pain signal from the part of your body or irritation of the sciatic nerve and goes up to your brain, if your body and your brain perceives that as a specific threat, your body, your brain is going to perceive it as pain and you are going to be in pain. And so giving you an opportunity in a scenario like meditation, being able to say, this is more of a sensation and a signal that I'm receiving from my body versus I'm in danger, I'm hurting something. It actually starts to actually reduce the intensity of that pain, which allows us to move forward and live on with our lives. And that's one of the huge things that I love about um, meditation, which then actually brings up the, this this next piece. And I think we kind of answered it, but when it comes to and 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 you know we'll talk about it again. But let's talk like when it comes to pain management, meditation. From your standpoint, what do you think happens when, and I remember like when we first met, you were telling me about some of these fantastic stories of people experiencing pain for such a long period of time and going through these meditations and their pain goes down. So from your eyes, where do you see that transition from, oh, I'm in pain, I'm not in pain anymore. What do you, that transition, what do you believe, what have you seen uh, are the changes or what happens during that time? Uh, so, uh, that's such a wonderful question. Now, the thing is, it's important to understand that what I'm about to bring up is a model of the world in the same way that GPS is a model of the world. I don't drive on the GPS, but I use the GPS to get me to my destinations, right? So they're representing the road that I'm driving on. And so coming back to, again, Max Planck, everything is consciousness. Einstein, everything is energy. Well, uh, Niels Bohr, right? Niels Bohr said that... Um, Everything that we call real is made up of things that cannot be regarded as real. Well, why? Well, because quantum mechanics talks about how everything is a wave of light, and that wave of light then collapses into a particle in which we call particle matter reality. So when we talk about the invisible, it means that the invisible is what creates the visible. And, you know, talking about the fantastic stories as well. So let's, you know, take Anna Lee, for instance, you know, a lady who I worked with in South Africa. She suffered from a torn bicep tendon and, you know, suffered for years and driving on the right side of the road, reaching out with her right arm to grab even a parking ticket, you know, validation to park in a garage, right? She said it would literally bring her to her knees, right? Reaching up above her head to grab a cup out of her cupboard would also literally bring her to her knees. Well, what caused the tear in the first place was that her husband was wasting away in a nursing care facility. And, you know, so she goes there sees he's getting these giant bed sores. And so she's, you know, going up to the staff saying, hey, what gives, right? I, I'm, I'm paying good. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Honey, my, my husband, obviously I love him, but it looks like you don't actually care about him. Oh, well, you're a white lady in South Africa treating us this way. You must be racist. So now she's dealing with grief of watching her loved one waste away. She's dealing with the stress of others attacking her character. Um, she's dealing with the resentment of paying good money and, and that, then having her husband just die 
you know, and she ended up losing her husband. Um, but in in the middle of all this, and all this grief, all this resentment, all this anger, she's lifting a 275-pound man as about a 160-pound woman. And so that caused so much trauma on her arm. And then on that trauma on their arm, then there's even more frustration. Well, look at me just trying to trying to do good. And then look at all. And so all this energy is coalescing and it's building into the scar tissue. So I took her through a meditation. And again, I'm in Utah, right? So I'm, I'm not even on the same continent as her, let alone the same country. And just through the meditation, what we did was we dissolved her grief. We dissolved her anger. We dissolved that pain and we brought it back together and transformed it into, well, love and truth. And then within four to five days, she literally said the pain was gone. She could reach out her window with no problem. She could reach up to, she could reach up to her cupboard with no problem. And she got 30% more um, movement in her arm. Within three weeks, she got 70% more movement in her arm. And so what happened there, again, this is the model of the world, but from what I've seen, is that we remade the light, right? So where what lives in the dimension of the light? Well, our soul, right? So we've got the dimension of our body, the dimension of our mind, and the dimension of our soul. And you know, hermetic philosophy says you know the all or what they call God. The all is mind. The universe is mental. Well, if the universe is mental. That sounds like everything is consciousness. So when we start to put these things together, we realize that mystics and scientists are often saying the exact same thing, just in different words. And if we allow ourselves to not be rigid, but to flow with it and see where the value is there, what I've seen here is that we just helped her. I helped her remove the different you know, energy fields that might be suppressing her innate ability to reach to her higher self, her higher self that is at that plane of light where that light then collapses into her particle matter reality. And since dissolving all that grossness, well, then it just remade everything. And again, I, this is again where it comes down to, is science observing and documenting or is it a peer-reviewed paper? Because I don't know how to peer-review this. But when she says with a big smile on her face, I don't feel pain, well, I, I don't know how much more scientific evidence that you can get from that. That's, a, that's really special. Um, and, uh, I'm so glad that you were able to help this woman because with all the grief and pain and physical trauma, that's a lot, that's a lot for the human body to handle, but also for the human mind. And you brought up this really interesting thing, this concept of like science and, and science. And I think you, did you say metaphysical? Is that what you said? Or mysticism, metaphysical. Mysticism. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of this quote in the first Thor movie where he said, <laughs> where you scientists call things, um, where you people call things science, we call it magic. And you said it perfectly. It's they're saying the same things, but for the most part, scientists are creating, like are making it a little bit more concrete. And in a way, like us as humans, like our, and the, uh, our consciousness is there because of the fact that we are measuring things. We are, we are quantifying things. And so um, I really appreciate that. And then turning it into, um, into a scientific standpoint, I think one of the really great things is that you, you in essence created a safe space for them to release their invisible grief burden and weight, which put this woman 
in what is a perpetual sympathetic state, a sympathetic, uh, a perpetual stressed out state. When you are stressed, your body releases the hormone cortisol. And cortisol is a very, very important hormone because it helps protect you when you are getting attacked by a bear or a tiger. Once it gets released though, and the threat is removed, our, our, our body should clear that out so we can return back into the resting stage. However, because we are emotional beings, we hold on to these dangers in our head, in our hearts, and we carry it for long periods of time, which means that our bodies, when you are pure, uh, chronically stressed, your body is pumping this out significantly, stressing out your kidneys, stretching out your body, making it unsafe for your body to move, which then makes it so that you are more sensitive to your pain. And so something like meditation allows us to one, quiet the mind, allow us to tap into more of the parasympathetic state. But what's really amazing, and I think that you put it perfectly, was being able to um, get into that truth, uh, relieving these people from the invisible things that no one can see or even quantify, but they know that they feel it in their head and in their heart. So I appreciate that, um, Joshua. Um, so, so with these, with the powerful effect and listeners, I'm actually going to be putting a couple articles on some peer-reviewed studies about uh, the benefits of meditation and pain management, pain management, because we're starting to get a little bit more data, and I think it's important. And it. And the reason why I have Joshua on today's episode is because meditation itself should not be discounted when it comes to pain management, especially when you've been in pain for a long period of time. Before we go into like a little guided meditation, I think that there are a couple issues that people have with taking on a med meditation practice. I think the first one is I don't have the time to, to do it. So when it comes to someone trying to start a meditation practice, what are some of the easiest ways, the lowest drag ways that people can take on a meditation practice, especially given the benefits of what we just discussed? Um, maybe the easiest thing is if you literally feel like you don't have time is can you wake up 15 minutes earlier and then just take those 15 minutes that normally people wouldn't be bugging you and just quiet your mind. And think of that as setting your GPS, right? If we are in a hurry and we just rush outside the door, hop in our cars and just fly to downtown, well, we may feel like we're getting there faster, right? Because we didn't take any time. But once we get downtown and we're looking around, there's the hustle and the bustle, there's the traffic, we might get a little lost and find ourselves actually showing up late. But if we take the time to set our GPS, to set our intention of, uh, of quieting that noise, to tap into that signal, what do we? what's the true intention that's going to be good for us that we want to express in this day? Well, then when we get in that car, we're going to find that we're going to be drawn exactly to where we need to go. Um, and so I think that just what is the simplest, easiest thing that you can do? Can you wake up 15 minutes early? Can you retire to your bedroom 15 minutes early? Right? Is there something you can do there? Right? You don't need to start off doing one-hour meditations. You know, I certainly am no novice to hour to sometimes even three-hour meditations if that's what I feel is necessary. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't start there because you know the mind, anything that's unfamiliar, the mind's going to perceive threat. And to the vast majority of people, well, guess what? You close your eyes, you stick with yourself. Well, that's pretty unfamiliar. Right, because we're so we're so inundated with noise that quieting ourselves off is pretty unfamiliar. And part of the reason why I like to harmonize science and mysticism is because, you know, this is also an unfamiliar place, which means 
that the mind's going to perceive threat, which means the mind's going to be active looking around, hey, am I safe? And if it's doing that, well, the mind ends up closing itself off, right? We, we can prove through neuroscience that the mind can tap into more dimensions than our body can. And so the mind's meant to be more of an antenna that's supposed to take the, receive the signals of the heart and then send those out to the different dimensions in order to what? Well, again, what physics and neuroscience says, the mind will attract that which it dwells upon. And so if we're dwelling upon what's best for us, well, then we're going to find that pulling into our space. So I guess, can you take 15 minutes, wake up early or retire early? And then do you even know what you want or do you only know what you don't want? Because if you only know what you don't want, well, you're going to attract that which you dwell upon. But if you know what you do want, well, you're going to attract that which you dwell upon. Awesome. I love that. That's uh, Thank you for sharing. Um, so being able to take that one thing that actually helped me get into meditation was I, uh, I was one of those people. I was like, man, I don't have the time um, to do that. I was like, how can I set aside? And so I took a step back and I looked at what my day consisted of. And what I did is I, I simply replaced the five to 10 minutes blocks of where I would be sitting there scrolling through my phone and I would put my phone down and just sit in silence and mm -hmm. kind of see like what happens. And, and now at this point, I actually, I go to the gym in the morning and I have the opportunity to work out and then sit in the sauna after. And I always tell the people at the gym, I'm like, oh man, you know, sitting in the sauna is like the only reason why I joined this gym in the first place, but it's an opportunity for me to sit in silence and be a conscious observer of my thoughts and of the reality. So there's a, there's a lot of really big beneficial pieces. So um, adding it to your morning, switching things out, again, trying to find ways that is going to be the lowest drag because when it's low drag, it's going to take little energy and it allows us to be in a safer space so we can really do what we need to get done. So um, so speaking of that, right, let's talk, um, if, if you have the available time, would you be able to take us through a short little meditation practice, guided meditation for the listeners? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I'd love to. Awesome. Um, I'm assuming uh, if you're driving right now, uh, don't do this. Um, but if you are sitting down, um, awesome, you know, go, go ahead. Um, all right, Joshua, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, I'm just going to let you take the floor. Perfect. So, you know, just like Ashley said, if you are driving and you're not safe, don't close your eyes, you're operating machinery, don't close your eyes. But if you're safe, you're somewhere comfortable, you know, sit with your back straight, but not, um, not stiff. Just go ahead and close your eyes and take a deep breath through your nose. And at the top of your breath, I want you to hold it for a few seconds and tune into the beating of your heart. And it doesn't take much. You can put your mental concentration anywhere in your body, in the tips of your fingers, the palm of your hand, your left elbow. Whatever it is, just put your mental concentration there and tune into feeling your heartbeat. And the more you feel your heartbeat, the more still your mind becomes. And the more still your mind, the more you feel your heartbeat. You just breathe in. And just allow your thoughts to dissolve away and just focus on your heart. And if you've got a favorite grandkid or baby in your life, or maybe a puppy or kitten, just 
summon a visual image of how cute that is. And as if you could smile from your heart, send that smile up to the top of your head and out into the cosmos and send that smile down through your spine and your feet to smile into the earth. And just radiate that smile and just breathe in for a minute and I'm gonna go silent for just a little bit. You see, love is what heals. Love is what harmonizes. When we tune in to that which we love, more order is created in our lives. Love is that soft and supple nature. And just allow any rigidity, any stress, to just melt away as you breathe in that powerful love and just smile through the top of your head and through the bottom of your feet. And as if we are in a circle, people who are listening now or listening later, just send love for them being a part of this, thanking them to, for participating and thanking that loved one in your life that summons that feeling of connection. And with that, just go ahead and take another final deep breath. Send that love out into the cosmos and the earth. And just come back down to your body. And when you're ready, just go ahead and open your eyes. That was awesome. How was that? I thought that was beautiful. Um, and I was able to do it um, when I record my podcast, I was standing up, but it was great because it allowed me to be even more in tune. You have such a good, you have a, such a great soothing voice, which I think one, uh, it's great because it allows us to focus on it, but not too soothing where I would end up falling asleep. So hey, um, it's, it's, uh, it was fantastic. Joshua, that was, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, for the listeners out there who are contemplating meditation and they would love to get more of a one-to-one -one type of meditation experience, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, great question. So they can reach me at freemefrompains.com. So pains is plural. And look, there might be some people that say, well, I don't really know how to meditate. So why would I go to somebody, right? And if I'm not sure how to even meditate in the first place, well, you can download a free gift there too, where that free gift is going to be a series of four meditations where one is teaching you, you know, why meditation works and then taking you through a short meditation. And then the other three are tapping you into a little bit more of this, you know, cosmic and, you know, beautiful and divine, you know, uh, you know, energy. And even though that they are just introductions, you know, I had a lady from Canada reach out to me just the other day and uh, she's on disability, you know, has no resources. And so I said, well, look, the least I can do is give you this free gift. 
she reached out to me that next day and said, you know, she's been suffering from arthritis and, and chronic fatigue. She walks her dogs and then she comes home and collapses. She says she's just in that one day, she's already got 30% more, uh, more energy. It's like, well, this is what happens when you surrender yourself to the experience and just allow love to harmonize because, you know, there's, there's research showing, you know, how if we treat even water, right, with disdain, with anger, with resentment, well, when it freezes, it freezes in these weird clumps. You know, we look under under microscopes, these weird clumps. But if we send love to water and gratitude and peace and harmony, it creates this brilliant crystalline structure. Well, guess what? We're, what, 70% plus water? And so when we're sending and we're harmonizing that energy within ourselves, well, then everything starts to harmonize in that beautiful crystalline structure. And it just allows it to go where it needs to go. I love that. So listeners, if you didn't get a chance to write down his website and the best way to get in touch, I'm actually going to put all his contact information in the show notes today. Joshua, this was a great experience. We learned a lot about meditation and how it can actually help a lot of people and learn some really great stories, success stories of people that you've helped. So uh, many thanks. Uh, and I'm looking forward to staying in touch. And listeners out there, again, if you need to get in contact with Joshua, his contact info will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Joshua. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for holding the space. And this has been incredible. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.